Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, this summer, we've been uh, doing a sermon series called Back to the Start. You know, sometimes life gets so crazy and so uh, deep in the weeds that we get out of sorts when it comes to our faith life, right? And, and the best way to get back on track is to go back to the start. So this summer, we've already talked about getting back to the start with the Bible, the gospel, the church, communion, and worship. And today, we're going to talk about prayer. Uh, but before we get into the sermon, I want to share a story with you. Is that okay? Yeah, my, my family over here just shook their head no because I shared it with them earlier this week. Uh, there's a story that goes about a young man who really, really wanted to go on a date uh, with this particular girl. And so he, he musters up enough courage to, to ask her out on a date. And she said yes. There was only one stipulation, though. Her parents said that, that we have to have dinner, him over for dinner, before you guys can go to the movie. And he was like, that is no problem. And so the, the day of the date came, and, and that morning he went over to his local pharmacy and, and he bought three things. He bought a candy bar, and he bought a rose, and then he bought just this gigantic box of chocolates. And so he goes up to the counter and the pharmacist says, so what are you gonna do with this? And he said, well, uh, I have my first date with this girl that I really like, and we're, we're going to go to the movies, and if she lets me hold her hand in the movies, I'm going to give her a candy bar so she can enjoy it during the show. And then when I walk her up to the door, if she lets me give her a kiss goodnight, I'm going to give her that rose. And if she invites me in, I'm going to give her that big old box of chocolates. Well, the evening came and, and he showed up at the door and he knocks on the door and he goes in and he meets her parents and they sit down at the table and, and the dad says, you know, we pray before every meal. We go to church every Sunday. And so would you please offer our prayer? And the, 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 the boy goes, hey, no problem. So he folds his hands and he begins to pray. Dear God, Thank you for this night and the fine food that has been prepared before us. And please bless the hands that has prepared this meal. As we eat, may we remember all the hungry people in the world. We ask that their bellies be filled as well. Please show us how we can help those in need of food on this day. We also ask that your hand is on us as we go to the movies. Keep us safe and may we be a godly representation for those we encounter. We pray for all the missionaries of the world that your love and care be extended to those who need your saving grace. Finally, we pray for those we have offended to be able to forgive us of our trespasses. It's in the highest name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The little girl leans over and says, I didn't know that you were so religious. The little boy leaned back over and said, I didn't know that your dad was a pharmacist. <laughs> we often think of prayer, it'll sink in in just a minute for some of you guys. We often think of prayer like this little boy 
thinks of prayer. We get behind in our schoolwork or our job and we say, God, just, if you'll just get us through it, we will never do it again. And of course, you know we're gonna do it again, right? We, we also treat prayer as kind of a crisis management system. There are those times in life that just brings us to our knees. We have a death of a loved one. We have a job loss. Or we just simply get a diagnosis that is scary and we go through a time of waiting. We also use prayer to lift up our own spirituality, to show others that we have it all together. Are you with me? We'll pick out the perfect prayer and put it out on social media to show how spiritual we are. The reality is, is that prayer is not a way to get out of a jam or to make ourselves feel more special than we should. Prayer is a way for us to build a relationship with God and each other. Now, prayer is really challenging. It's a very challenging concept for uh, our human brains. We're wired to read uh, the nonverbal cues of people when we're interacting with them. You know, we're, we're wired to read the tone of someone's voice or the expressions on their face or the body language that they give when we are in a conversation. And we've become really good at reading those people in our lives that are really close to us, like our family and dear friends. You know, uh, I can call Tracy and tell if she's struggling just by the way she says hello. Are, are you with me on, on that? You know, but prayer is different. When we talk to God, it feels like a one-sided conversation. It's not that we don't get feedback from God because we do. It's just vastly different than it is with the other ways in which we communicate. This makes prayer challenging for us. And it's always been this way throughout human existence. In the scripture that Michael read for us, Jesus is instructing us on how we should pray. Now, this text is an excerpt from the Sermon on the Mount, which is the most, one of the most powerful three chapters in all of scripture. John Wesley, who founded the United Methodist Movement, who kind of sparked the, the Methodist Movement, not the United Methodist Movement, he said, he said this about the Sermon on the Mount. He said, the Sermon on the Mount contains the sum of all religion. Everything you need to know about how to be and how to act is right there in those three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, within this, our text today, uh, we go to the so-called Lord's Prayer. And the reason why I say so-called Lord's Prayer is, is why don't we call it the Disciples' Prayer? I mean, it was not a prayer for, for Jesus. It was the prayer that he gave his disciples to, to learn how 
to have this connection with God. And, and this is a great little prayer, and it, and it matters that it's a little prayer. Let's look at verse five. Verse five says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will see them. Uh, growing up, uh, I grew up at a Hillcrest Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama, and, and we had some really good prayers at Hillcrest Baptist Church. Uh, we, we could, uh, I won't call out their name because this does go out on the internet, but, but they would stand up and they would pray these long, flowery prayers with these really big words that I had no idea what they were saying. It was quite amazing. But it seems like they were like the boy in our opening story, that they were just trying to show people that they were okay, that they were good enough. Now, a few verses down in verse eight, Jesus says this. Jesus says, don't be like them because your father knows what you need before you ask. Jesus doesn't want us to grovel at his feet or advocate for our wants and desires. He definitely, I believe, does not want us to use prayer to show others how spiritual we can be. He wants us to use prayer as a way to build a relationship with God and with each other. I believe that Jesus wants us to pray with the full confidence that he knows what we need, not what we want, and that he wants us to have that. Um, let's look at verse six. Nope, I'm sorry, uh, I messed up just a little bit. I'm trying to look here and there and I'm getting confused with myself a little bit. What Jesus is teaching about here in prayer is easy, but it's not simple. What Jesus is telling people to do is easy, but it's not simple. One of the most important things that I think we teach here at Asbury is that we are continually striving to be the person that God has created us to be. You know, I, I, I call this bridge the gap, that we are bridging the gap between who we actually are right now today and who God desires for us to be. You know, Jeremiah uh, Toole, who uh, was uh, on kit today as our modern worship director, and just as a timeout, uh, for, for the sermon for a moment. Uh, I used to marvel at how many instruments Jeremiah could play. If you've been with us a while, you may have had the same thing until I saw his dad, Brett Toole, playing violin up here. It's like, okay, it's running in the blood there. Thank you, Brett, for sharing 
that gift with us today. But Jeremiah likes to say when we meet, uh, he likes to say, what can we do on Sunday that makes our Mondays better? I love that, don't you? What can we do today, right now, to bridge the gap between who we are and who God has created us to be? Let's take a look at what Jesus taught us in verse six. Jesus says, but when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is present in the secret place. Your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. One of the things that we need to do to help build that relationship is to create a space for prayer. You know, when you become a follower of Jesus, you don't just instantly become connected and intimate with Christ. It takes intentionality to make room to foster that relationship. Jesus is telling the disciples that you need to go and do this by yourself. You need to be alone in a secret place. You know, some people find it valuable to create a space just for prayer. Uh, Maybe it's a place in your house where you already like to read. Or or, or maybe it's a place where you you can set a candle to remind you that you are in the presence of God. One of the things that I have found very valuable in my devotional time recently is playing worship music in the background. You know, not the the upbeat stuff, but the contemplative stuff. And and I like to use uh, our modern worship playlist on Spotify. You can find it on our website. Because that way, when, when those songs come in rotation in the service, I've been praying some of those words and it makes that worship moment even more meaningful. Maybe you need to set aside a designated time to pray. The Gospels teaches us that Jesus liked to pray in the morning. You know, maybe that's a good time for you. Maybe you're a morning person and you want to wake up just a little bit earlier. We're more likely to keep a prayer habit if we do it at the same time every day. And remember, bridging the gap is not about going from where we are right now to where God wants us to be immediately. It's about taking those steps. So you can start small, maybe just giving three to five minutes a day to God. And once you get a handle on that, then you can move up to 10 or or, or 15. Think of it this way, how this consistency over time works. If you pray for five minutes a day for a year, it will significantly deepen your relationship with God. Think about it, that's 1,760 minutes. You know, we talk a lot about John Wesley because in the 1700s he shaped a, a generation and generations to come views of thinking about how to connect with God. And one of those great teachers, we don't really know in our day who those great teachers will be. We have an idea. One of those could be a a gentleman named Dallas Willard. And he said this about prayer. He said, the more we pray, the more we think to pray. 
And as we, this, as we see the results of prayer, the responses of God to our request, our confidence in God's power spills over into other areas of our life. For us to build a relationship with God and each other through prayer, we need to create a space for prayer. And we need to not make prayer the focus. That sounds pretty weird, doesn't it? (laughs) Don't make praying the focus of your prayer. Often when we sit down to pray, our thoughts focus on what we are praying rather than just being in the presence of God. Uh, Oftentimes when our family goes off on a long trip, uh, we... uh, We'll tell each other, hey, I'm getting a little tired. Let's, let's talk and help keep each other alert. Uh, Tracy, sometimes when she's driving, I'll say, hey, Robert, talk to me. And I go blank. <laughs> I can't think of anything to say uh, because I'm so focused on what am I gonna say? Uh, a blog post I read this week says that focusing on the fact that you're praying is like trying to drive while looking at the windshield instead of through the windshield. Jesus says in verse seven, when you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words that the Gentiles do. They think they are saying many words. They think that if they're saying many words, they'll be heard. There is no need for us to focus on what we're saying in prayer. Remember, God already knows what we need. What we need to do is stop thinking and focus on just being in the presence of God. The great Henry Nouwen puts it this way. Prayer is first of all listening to God. It's openness. God is always speaking. He's always doing something. For us to build that relationship with God and each other through prayer. We need to create a space for prayer. We need to make, don't make praying the focus and we don't need to give up. When we bridge the gap between where we are and where God desires us to be, it's not gonna happen overnight. Remember, it's consistency over time. Prayer, like any other thing, is a discipline. (laughs) Well, and a discipline requires discipline. Uh, One of the things I love about Michael Bowen being on our team is is that he's really good at at helping us see things in a different way. He he, he doesn't refer to disciplines as disciplines. He calls them holy habits. And I've just connected and love that. If you're praying and your mind wanders, don't give up. Don't push out the thoughts that come into your head. Maybe, just maybe, those random thoughts are things you need to pray about. Here in our text, the gospel writer designs the Lord's prayer to be a corporate prayer. It's not just about the individual. It's about us being in relationship with God and each other. Jesus uses the words in the Lord's Prayer. He uses our, us, 
we, we are praying with God and with each other. The last two verses in our text today say this. If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your sins. We cannot separate our relationship from God from how we interact with other people. They work together. Now, now we've talked about Corey Tim Boom before in our service. She's a survivor uh, of a concentration camp during the Holocaust. And she dedicated her life to talking about forgiveness. She tells stories of losing her family members in the war and how she had to release the bitterness and anger toward the people that hurt her and her family. She's quoted as saying, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And she also said, God will give us the love to be able to, to forgive our enemies. Later in life, uh, she met one of the concentration camp guards when, she, uh, when he attended one of the meetings she was at. And she had to put her philosophy to the test and she said it was really difficult. But after initially struggling, she graciously forgave and embraced and wept with him. This is what she said. She said, I forgive you, brother. I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands. The former guard and former prisoner, I had never known God's love so intensely, she says, as I did then. But even so, I realized it was not my love. I had tried, and I didn't have the power. It was the it was the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is a way for us to build a relationship with God and with each other. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you. We thank you for taking us back to the start. Help us to engage in you through prayer, to simply go back and pray in secret so that we can become more of the person you've created us to be. Amen. Next week, we'll continue in our series, Back to the Start, and we have... Uh, our senior pastor, Mike Holly, will be giving the, the message next week. And I know you'll be excited to welcome him into this service. At this time, we're going to worship through our giving, a time of not just giving of our resources, but also a time to reflect and see how can you give Jesus your best. Let's stand, let's sing together.